The following sermon is by Dr. Chuck Register, Interim Pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. You may have noticed a moment ago that I quickly exited uh, the worship area, the sanctuary, and began to run around frantically for just a moment. When you're a long-winded preacher and you notice that your battery only has one bar, that's a crisis. <laughs> so I have good news for you. I have three bars on my battery now. I can preach for two and a half hours at least. So just settle in and relax. We're going to be here for a while. I'm teasing. Take your Bible in hand and come with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel Chapter 16, one of those great passages in the Old Testament where God is about to reach down from heaven and select a new king for the children of Israel. We're going to be examining a message today entitled, The Search for God's Man. And this morning, I'm preaching specifically to our pastor search team, our pastor search committee, those men and women you've chosen to lead us in this search for our next pastor but I want to be preaching over their shoulder to you as well. I believe there are principles in this text that will help guide their work, but there are principles in this text that will help guide this congregation as we move through this season of searching for the next person to be our pastor. Our pastor search team met this past week. They've elected their chairman. Spencer Grinnell is their chairman. I've asked him to come this morning and take a moment uh, just to help you know how they'll be proceeding uh, with their work as they begin. Spencer, you come and share with us for just a moment, please. Good morning. Good morning. I just want to share with you a couple things and provide for you um, our very first update. Um, so we have, uh, we met this past week and we have um, selected the officers. Um, I was elected the chairman and we have elected Marcy, um, the secretary. I think that's the, the title. Um, and over the next couple Tuesdays, um, weekly, the search committee is going to be meeting to go ahead and start the process um, and move forward with um, finding the man that God is going to call to serve as our lead pastor. Um, and I only have one simple but profound request of all of you, and that is to be praying daily for our search committee um, as we start on this spiritual journey um, in finding that person. Um, pray specifically for the spiritual health of each member of our committee. And be, please be diligent about doing that. Um, as we are meeting on a weekly basis um, to begin, um, and the, the spiritual health of each members of each of the members of, of the committee. And that's what I would ask of you. So thank you. Thank you, Spencer. 
Amen. Now, they're going to be meeting weekly on Tuesday evening. Spencer, that meeting will begin approximately when? At what time? Oh, um, seven. At 7 o'clock. Here's what I want to ask you to do. We do want you to be praying daily for uh, our pastor search team, but I want to ask you on Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock, whatever you're engaged in, would you pause for just a moment and offer just a brief prayer to the Father that on that particular evening, during that particular meeting, that his guidance would be recognizable by all of the members of the team, that they would hear his voice and they would hear it clearly. So every Tuesday evening, uh, go ahead and, and take out your phone if you'd like, set you an alarm uh, 10 minutes before 7 o'clock on Tuesdays, repeat it every week, you're going to pause and you're going to be praying for our pastor search team. Now stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. You follow along reading silently as I read aloud, beginning with 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, How can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, Do you come in peace? He said, In peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons, and invited them to the sacrifice. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Next, Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? He said, there remains yet the youngest. Behold, he's tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Father, what a fascinating passage that reminds us of your leadership, that reminds us of our fellowship, and reminds us the importance of being able to hear clearly when you speak even when your words seem to make no sense at all. Father, I pray that you would take the principles contained in this text and you would bury them deep in the hearts of our pastor search committee and in the hearts of this congregation that we might follow the principles of your word every day in which we live. And it's in your name we pray. 
Amen. As you're being seated, I would say to the pastor search team, I have good news for you. Churches have been searching for thousands of years for the perfect pastor, and, and one church has finally located him. They've described him for us, and, and here's the description they offer of the perfect pastor. He's 36 years old and has 40 years of pastoral experience. <laughs> he preaches 20-minute sermons, and they are both serious and humorous at the same time. He condemns sin but never steps on anyone's toes. He has a burning desire to work with teenagers and spends all of his time with senior adults. He's both tall and short, and he is thin and heavyset all at the same time. He parts his hair down the middle, one side being jet black, revealing his youthfulness, and one side being gray, revealing his wisdom. He works from 8 in the morning to 10 at night, doing everything from preaching sermons to sweeping the floors. He makes 15 calls a day on church members, spends all his time evangelizing non-church members, and is always found in his study if he's needed. The perfect pastor. Well, you know, tongue-in-cheek, such a man does not exist. Though sometimes when we begin this journey as a congregation... Now, we have in our mind a picture of pastoral perfection. And we sometimes place pressure on our pastor search teams. You, you bring us a man who looks like this. And what we discover in this text, ladies and gentlemen, is sometimes, sometimes God reaches down from heaven and he picks the most unlikely person to be his man. Come with me first. Samuel chapter 16, as we examine this journey that Samuel is on, this journey of following the Lord to the man the Lord has chosen to be king over Israel. And the very first thing I want you to notice in this text this morning is the motive that drives the search. As we begin this process of searching for a new pastor, there must be a motive that drives everything we do as a pastor search team and as a congregation. So what's the motive that should drive every aspect of this search for a new senior pastor? Come back and let's look at the text. Look with me, verse 1 and then verse 3. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself. Powerful phrase of scripture. I have selected a king for myself among his sons. Verse 3. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's interesting that, that as Samuel prepares to find a new king for the children of Israel, that the Lord points out in verse 1 and verse 3 that this man that is going to be the next king of Israel is one who is a king, the Lord says, unto myself. He is a king for me. If you remember the last time the children of Israel went looking for a king, that was not their motive. Their motive was not to find God's man. Their motive was to find their man. 
As a matter of fact, let's refresh our memory the last time they went searching for a king. 1 Samuel chapter 8, look with me at this slide. Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. Let me give you the background of 1 Samuel chapter 8. The children of Israel have come to the place where they're beginning to notice all of the nation states that live around them. All of those nation states have a king. They have a king that sends their armies into battle. They have a king that wages taxation upon the people. They have a king that hears their judicial cases. Everyone around them has a king. And so the children of Israel come to Samuel, the prophet, and they say to Samuel, we need a king. If we're going to be like all of these nations around us, then as they have a king, we need a king. So they come to Samuel, anoint for us a king, back to the text. Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but there shall be a king over, what's the word, church? Us. That we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. The Lord said to Samuel, listen to their voice and appoint you see, the word is underlined, them, a king. You see, ladies and gentlemen, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, God never intended for the children of Israel to have a king. They had a king. The heavenly father himself sat upon the throne of their hearts and the throne of their nation. He never intended for a human being to be called king of the children of Israel. But the children of Israel became inward focused like we studied last week. Remember those passages we read from the book of Exodus? They were thirsty, focused on themselves. They began to murmur against Moses. They were hungry. They were focused on themselves. They began to grumble against Moses. Once again, they became thirsty, focused on themselves, murmuring and grumbling against Moses. We come to 1 Samuel chapter 8, and the children of Israel still focused inwardly. We want to be like our neighbors to the right. We want to be like our neighbors to the left. They have kings who, who guide their nations. We want a king. God never intended a human being to sit on the throne of the nation of Israel. They had a king in the heavenly father himself. But finally the Lord, 1 Samuel chapter 8, says to Samuel, give them what they want. Give him a king. Saul was anointed king. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. This is so important, the motive that drives the search. As we begin this process of looking for a new pastor, the question is, do we want a pastor for us or do we want God's pastor for us? There's a drastic difference in the two. Do we want the man who, who fits the profile that we have in our mind as the perfect pastor or are we willing to accept the man that God has chosen for himself to be the next shepherd of this family of faith? Here's why that's so important. Before too many weeks, if your pastor search team begins to function like most pastor search teams, they're, they're going to bring before you a congregational survey. It's a tool that's going to let you answer some questions and develop a profile of the kind of man they should look for. You're going to have a chance to speak about his age. Do you want him to be young or do you want him to be a little older? 
You're going to be able to speak about his level of education. You're going to be able to speak about what, how much experience he should have, what kind of preaching style, what kind of leadership style, whether he's married, whether he's not married. And that's a wonderful tool to give the pastor search team some helpful information. But when that tool becomes a taskmaster, binding the pastor search team, it becomes a devastating instrument in the hands of the enemy. Because if the congregation pressures the pastor search team, here's what we've said. We, we want a man in his 30s who has 40 years of pastoral experience. We want a guy who's married with young children. We want a man who preaches 20 minutes and lets us go home. We want a man who has black hair and gray hair. Whatever your picture profile may be, if you bind the pastor search team to look for that man and that man only, what you've chosen, ladies and gentlemen, is a king unto yourself from the Old Testament. And what I'm asking you to do is to have a motive that says... Above all, we desire God's man. Pastor Search Team, you go find God's man. When you find God's man, you bring God's man back to us. And, and he may not look like our survey instrument. He may not look like the profile that we have described. But you bring for us God's man. And if you bring for us God's man, our future will be secure. For our future will be in the hands of God's man. And through him in the hands of God himself. The motive that drives the search, do we want our picture-perfect profile of the man we think should be pastor, or are we willing to accept God's man? The second thing I want you to see from this text is what I call the master who guides the search. Now, this is the most important aspect of the message this morning. It's the most important aspect of 1 Samuel chapter 16. More important than motive is the master who guides the search. Look with me, if you will, verse 1, and then we'll drop down to verse 3. Verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Here it comes. For I have selected a king for myself among your sons. The word selected that's used there, ladies and gentlemen, means to select after examination. The Lord said to Samuel, I'm going to send you down to Jesse's house. And when you get to Jesse's house, I'm going to show you the man that I have chosen after examination, the man I have chosen to be the next king of the children of Israel. Now here's what this passage of Scripture is saying to Emmanuel Baptist Church. I want you to hear this and I want you to hear it clearly. God has already selected your next senior pastor. Amen? Do you believe that or do you just acknowledge that intellectually? Do you believe that down in your bones that even before time began, our sovereign Lord, who is never caught by surprise for anything that happens in the world and certainly in our own lives, our Lord has already chosen your next senior pastor. And the word that's used in the Hebrew here means to select after examination. Now, here's what that means. That means our Lord, knowing that Brother Steve would, would retire, resign from being our senior pastor, there would be this void in senior pastor leadership. Our Lord 
before time ever began, went searching for your next senior pastor. And of all the men in the world who could be your next senior pastor, after he examined them all, he has selected one. He selected him because he knows that man. He selected him because he knows you. He knows what you need. He knows what you will need. He knows the guidance that you're going to need as you move forward. He, he knows the faith and the faithful leadership you're going to need as you move forward to do great things for the kingdom of God and his glory. He knows exactly what you need and what you will need. And based upon that, he's examined all of the options that he has. And he's already selected the man to be your next senior pastor. Here's how I like to describe it. How many of you men go suit shopping from time to time? Just about every man sometime in your life has to go suit shopping. I mean, there's, there's a wedding that you have to go to, or, or more sadly, there's maybe a funeral that you need to attend. Uh, for those of us who are, are in professions where suits and coats and ties are, are a normal part of our attire, we have to go suit shopping all the time. Now, there are two ways you can buy a suit. One, you can buy a suit off the rack, they say. You go to Macy's or you go to Penny's or you go to Joseph A. Bank. It's, it's how I do all of, all of my clothes shopping. And, and you go there and, and the company has already determined there are certain styles and certain looks and they have them arranged on the rack on the size that you need. Guys, you with me? You've been, been suit shopping, coat shopping. Well, when you're, when you're short and healthy like I am, well, there are only a few that are there in your size. I mean, everything else has one of those European cuts. Now they call it athletic fit. I've got to build like an offensive lineman. They're athletic, but, <laughs> but they've built them for the quarterback, you know? And so when you get to my end of the rack, you usually have about three or four selections. There's going to be a gray. There's going to be a black. And as you've noticed, my daughter found some other kinds of suit coats around for me to buy and wear. And that's one way. So, so you, you have a limited selection and you find the one that fits you and you buy it and you have it altered. There's another way to buy a suit. Never done this before. Guys, tell me about it. Another way to buy a suit is you go to a tailor. A guy who professionally makes clothes and, and you sit down and the tailor brings you all of these different styles and selections to choose from. And he brings you all of these different bolts of fabric that you can touch and, and see how it feels. And, and he begins to ask you some questions. Do you, do you want a vest? Do you not want a vest? Do you want cuffs? Do you not want cuffs? Pleats? No pleats? He asks you all of these Do you want it lined or unlined? He asks you a myriad questions and then... And then he takes your measurements. And you've selected the style that you want, and you've selected the cloth, the material that you want, and he goes after he takes your measurements, and he builds you a customized suit. And then you take out a loan from the bank, and you go back and you pay for that <laughs> customized suit. But when you put it on, it fits you to a T. It's what you have chosen after examination. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what I'm saying to you. This principle in God's Word says that God has already chosen for you a pastor, and he hasn't reached simply to the rack of limited choice 
to bring your next pastor into your life. He has made you a custom-built senior pastor. And during this time in which you're waiting to meet him and waiting to be introduced to him, the, the, the Lord is just tightening up that suit so it fits perfectly. He's polishing that man so when he comes, he shines brightly. But God has already chosen for you a custom-made senior pastor. Now, members of the pastor search team, would you just stand for a second? If you're here this morning, would, would, would you just stand wherever you are? You don't, you don't have to come forward. Just stand if you're here. Here's what I want you to hear me say. Your name is a misnomer. Baptists call you the pastor search committee or the pastor search team. That is a misnomer. Your job is not to search. Your job is to follow. You're the follow God committee. He's already made his choice. He's already made his selection. That man is out there. Your task is not to search for the next pastor of this church. Your job is to tune your ears toward heaven and listen as God leads you to the man he's already chosen. You're just the follow God committee. And we're going to be praying for you, aren't we, church? We're going to be praying for you, not just on Tuesday nights. We're going to be praying for you every day that you will be in such a close spiritual walk with the Father that when he speaks, guiding you to the man that he has chosen, you will hear his voice. Please be seated. Now, here's what I want to remind you. Sometimes you have to follow God even when it doesn't make sense. That's what happens in this passage of Scripture. Samuel has to follow God to the man that God has already chosen, even when it makes no sense whatsoever. Let me show you this in the text. Come to verse 6. The feast is about to begin. Samuel's there. He has his horn of oil. He's ready to anoint the next king of the children of Israel. When they entered, speaking of Jesse and his sons, when they entered, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. He looked at Eliab. Eliab walked in with one of those custom-made tunics. And as soon as Samuel laid eyes on Eliab, he said, this must be the guy. Now, Eliab is Jesse's oldest son. Culturally, back in the Old Testament, it would make natural cultural sense for the oldest of Jesse's sons to be the king. And so Eliab walks in the room, and, and he must have a commanding presence. Look what the, the text says. Come back, if you will, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his statue. The, the Lord says to Samuel, I know he's handsome. I know he's tall. I know he's regal looking. I know he commands the room when he steps into the room, I know that, that he has the air of a king about him. But Eliab, the obvious choice, he's not the man I've chosen, Samuel. It's who Jesse thinks ought to be king. It's who you think ought to be king. It's who culture says should be the king. But I have not chosen the obvious candidate, Eliab. Samuel must be scratching his head because cultural dictate it should be a liar. And, and so he turns to Jesse and he says, well, Jesse, that, 
He's not the Lord's chosen. So Jesse naturally says, well, if it's not my oldest son, it must be my second oldest son. And so he calls for Abinadab, and he brings Abinadab into the room. And, and Abinadab, he's strutting pretty tall because he's thinking, well, if it's not a lie, it's got to be me. And the Lord whispers to Samuel, not Abinadab. They bring Shema in, the third oldest, and, and everyone in the room is thinking, it has to be Shema. If it's not Eliab, if it's not Abinadab, it has to be Shema. The Lord says, mm -mm. I know, Samuel, you think it should be one of those three. It's, and so they bring in son number four, son number five, son number six, son number seven. Listen to me, follow God committee. You're going to have so many options as you're listening to the voice of the Lord. People are going to say to you, Con consider, consider the liar. Well, he has this kind of seminary degree and that kind of seminary degree. And someone's going to say, well, look at this Abinadab. Boy, he's, he's handsome. He has a wonderful family. And someone's going to say, well, well, how about Shema? He preaches the best sermons I've ever heard. There are going to be a lot of choices. But your job is not to grasp the choice that seems obvious to you. Your choice is to follow God to his choice. You're the follow God committee. And so when Jesse is through bringing his sons, Samuel really doesn't know what to do next. So Samuel turns to Jesse and he says, do you have any other kids? And look what Jesse says. Come back. Look what Jesse says. Verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest. Behold, my interpretation, he's so insignificant, we have him out watching the sheep while everybody else has come to the feast. Why, why my youngest, he's so inconsequential he doesn't have any ability to be a king. He's so insignificant. I just said to him, you keep the sheep while your older brothers and I go to the anointed. Now, what does that teach us about this passage of Scripture? That teaches us the matter that settles the search. You see, there, there's a motive. There's a motive there's a master who's guiding everything if we'll just simply follow him. But then we come to the last part of this chapter and we see the matter that just solves it all. The matter that brings everything into focus. Let me show you what really matters. Come back to this text. The matter that settles the, shirt, the search. Chapter, uh, verse 6. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance or at the height of his statue because I have rejected him. Here it comes, the matter that settles the search. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. 
And ladies and gentlemen, when the Lord spoke those words to Samuel, it was a convicting verse of Scripture because it was a reminder to Samuel of what had already transpired. We don't have time to look at it this morning. You go home today and read from 1 Samuel chapter 13 at the anointing of Saul. And what you discover is when, when Saul was anointed king, they were looking at the outward appearance. And the Lord says to Samuel at this point, here's the matter that settles the search. You look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. You, you, you look at preaching style. You look at educational level. You look at age. You, you look at, is he tall and handsome with a wonderful, winsome personality? You, you look at his family. You look at all the outward appearance. The Lord says, the matter that settles the search is the man's heart. When I look for someone to lead my people, I'm looking at their heart. So the question is this morning, what kind of heart did David have? Now, don't miss this, follow God committee. Don't, don't miss this, because what I'm saying to you, what I'm suggesting to you this morning, is that from 1 Samuel chapter 16, you need to look for a man. If God has chosen David because of David's heart, it seems to me that you should be listening to the Lord so that he can guide you to another man who has the same kind of heart as David. So the question is, what is it about David's heart that calls the God of the universe after examining all of his options to say, there's the next king of the children of Israel? There are three things we see from Scripture about his heart, and we're going to see them very quickly. Come with me, if you will, over to chapter 17. Chapter 17, you know that is the paramount chapter in the story of young David where David is about to do battle with Goliath. Let me set the stage for you. David's older brothers have gone with the army of the children of Israel. The children of Israel, their army is camped on one side of the valley. The, the army of the Philistines camped on the other. And every day, Goliath, this giant, comes out to the bottom floor of the valley and he casts insults on the children of Israel. And he insults not only the children of Israel, he insults the God of the children of Israel. David comes to bring some supplies to his brothers, some, some fruit perhaps, some bread perhaps, some cheese perhaps. He, he's bringing them some supplies while they're on the front lines of battle. And David begins to hear this big brute as he insults not only the children of Israel, but the God of Israel. And David's had all that he can take. He's just a boy. He's just a young lad. And finally, David said, look, if you're not going to go to war against this giant, I'll go to war against him. And the soldiers of the children of Israel are both tickled and relieved. They think it's hilarious that young David, just a boy, thinks that he can go to battle against an experienced warrior who's a giant. That's humorous to them. They, they laugh and giggle at the idea of little old David going to battle against Goliath. But they're also relieved. Whew, now we don't have to go to battle against him. We'll just send this boy out. Look what happens. Come with me, chapter 17, verse 37. Chapter 30. Uh, chapter 17, verse 37. And David said, he's talking to Saul. 
The Lord will deliver me from, excuse me, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Don't miss that. David, David had a trusting heart. What kind of heart did David have? He had a trusting heart. Saul is trying to talk David out of going to battle, which Saul is convinced will be David's certain death. And David looks at King Saul and he said, King, don't, just relax. The Lord who delivered me from the the mouth of the lion and the paw of the bear, I can trust him to deliver me from Goliath. Here's what David did. David, in that moment, looked back to times that God had fought on his behalf, been strong on his behalf, protected him in his past. And David said, the God who loves me that much, who in the past has come to my rescue, I can trust him with my future. Follow God committee, we need that kind of guy. Amen? He has a heart that trusts God. A heart that can look back in his own ministry and a heart that can look back in the history of this church and to see how God has moved over and over and over again and met his needs and your needs over and over and over again. And because of what God has done in his life and God has done in your history, he will lead you to trust God in the future. He had a trusting heart. Second thing I want you to see about his heart, not only is it a trusting heart, but it's a heart for God's glory. It's right here in the text. Look with me, if you will. Come with me, verse 45. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. And David said to the giant Goliath, the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That trusting heart. You're an experienced warrior. You have all of the weapons of war. You come to destroy me, but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have taunted. Verse 46, here it is. He has a heart for God's glory. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth. Here it is, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David said, I'm going to go to battle against Goliath. I'm going to slay him. I'm going to sever his head. I'm going to give the dead bodies of of his uh, fellow soldiers to the birds of the sky, and I'm going to do it so all the world may know the God of Israel. He lives his life. He acts as he acts, all for the glory of God. Follow God committee, we want a guy like that. We want a guy with a trusting heart, but a guy who says every move I make, every action the church takes, it should be all for the glory of God. We we want this community that surrounds this church to be able to look at us and glorify God. We, We want all of the RDU to look at Emmanuel Baptist Church in the days to come. And because of what you're doing in our midst, to glorify God. He's focused on the glory of God. One last aspect quickly that I need you to see. Not only does he have a trusting heart and a heart for God's glory, come all the way with me to the New Testament, the book of Acts. The book of Acts makes a mention of David that you have to see this morning. It's in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. 
David had a heart for God's will. He had a trusting heart. He trusted God. He had a heart for God's glory. And he had a heart for God's will. Chapter 13, verse 22. After he had removed him, speaking of Saul, the Lord raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Follow God committee. The Lord has already examined and selected the next senior pastor of this church. Your task is not to search and find that man. Your task is to listen to the voice of the Lord and follow him to that individual. And one of the ways you'll know him when you meet him, not only the voice of the Lord speaking to your ear and your heart, but you'll be able to see that man's heart. Does he trust God? Does he live his life to bring glory to God? And is he willing to do the will of God? Whatever the situation, whatever the cost. When God leads you to that man, you will know mission accomplished. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a second. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We can trust the Lord in every aspect of life because he has provided for every aspect in our lives. He's made the greatest sacrifice of all in providing for us. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on Calvary's cross to shed his blood as payment for our sin so that we might ask Jesus to forgive us of our sin, turn from our sinfulness, and submit our life to him as Lord, and in that moment receive life everlasting. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. We, we've been preaching from the Old Testament, but we would love to share with you the greatest story of all, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you be willing to come and submit your life to Jesus? Maybe your church membership is somewhere else and God is leading you to be a part of this family of faith. Would you come and unite with us even in this interim season? Maybe right where you'll be standing in a moment, you'll just want to bow your head and just begin to pray right now for the Follow God Committee. That they will be in tune to the voice and the leadership of the Lord. Father, would you speak to our hearts in this moment and would you give us the courage to respond however you might lead. All for your honor and glory we pray. In Christ's name, amen. We're standing together, we're singing. God speaks to your heart. You come this morning. You've been listening to Dr. Chuck Register, interim pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, visit us on the web at ebcraleigh.com.